Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Good Risings. I'm Jackie. And I'm Brian. And this is Grateful Grains. Welcome back. This week, we're taking a closer look at resiliency. We got it started Monday with It Happens. Tuesday, we talked shifting focus. Wednesday, we weighed what's good. Yesterday, we dug into growth mindset. And today, we're wrapping it up with adaptability. Former IBM Watson strategist and managing director at Silicon Valley Bank, Natalie Frado, shares that she met with 273 startup founders in 2018. Each of them was looking for money. As a tech investor, her goal was to sort through everyone that she met and make a quick determination about which ones had the potential to make something really big. And this isn't an endeavor she was taking up alone. Money floods into tech startups from every corner of the globe. Frado shares that the big question everyone is trying to answer, and often answers differently, is what makes a great founder. She explains, some venture capitalists place bets based on a founder's previous background, if they went to an Ivy League school, if they worked at a blue chip company, if they'd built out a big vision before. Effectively, they're looking at IQ. Other venture capitalists try to assess a founder's emotional quotient, or EQ, which is how well a person will build a team or build rapport across customers and clients. She reveals she has a different methodology. She's not looking for signs of high IQ or EQ. She's looking for adaptability. Frado defines adaptability as how well a person reacts to the inevitability of change, and lots of it. Frado subscribes to the belief that adaptability itself is a form of intelligence and our adaptability quotient or AQ is something that can be measured, tested and improved. She goes on to say AQ isn't just useful for startup founders. It's increasingly important for all of us because the world is speeding up. We know that the rate of technological change is accelerating, which is forcing our brains to react, whether we're navigating changing job conditions brought on by automation, shifting geopolitics in a more globalized world, or simply changing family dynamics and personal relationships. Each of us, as individuals, groups, corporations, and even governments are being forced to grapple with more change than ever before in human history. Frado reveals her three tricks to measuring someone's adaptability. Oftentimes in job interviews, potential employees are posed some version of the question, tell me about a time when. Instead, to interview for adaptability, Frado likes to ask what if questions. She provides the examples, what if your main revenue stream were to dry up overnight? What if a heat wave prevented every single customer from being able to visit your store? Asking what if, instead of asking about the past, forces the brain to simulate, to picture multiple possible versions of the future. She continues, the strength of that vision, as well as how many distinct scenarios someone can conjure, tells her a lot. She proposes the idea that practicing simulations, whether in an interview or in our own day-to-day lives, 
is a sort of safe testing ground for improving adaptability. Instead of testing how we take in and retain information like an IQ test might, it tests how we're able to manipulate information given a constraint in order to achieve a specific goal. The second trick that she uses to assess adaptability is to look for signs of unlearning. Active unlearners, she explains, seek to challenge what they presume to already know and instead override the data with new information. Information in our minds doesn't have to remain fixed. Each of us have the capacity to improve it through dedication and hard work. It's the feat of seeing things from a different perspective or allowing new information to change our minds. The third and final trick Frodo enlists is to look for people who infuse exploration into their life and their business. She proposes the idea that there's a lot of natural tension between exploration and exploitation. And collectively, all of us tend to overvalue exploitation. She reflects on an example. In the year 2000, a man finagled his way into a meeting with John Antioco, the CEO of Blockbuster, and proposed a partnership to manage Blockbuster's fledgling online business. The CEO John laughed him out of the room saying, I have millions of existing customers and thousands of successful retail stores. I really need to focus on the money. The other man in the meeting, of course, turned out to be Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix. In 2018, Netflix brought in $15.8 billion, while Blockbuster filed for bankruptcy in 2010, directly 10 years after that meeting. Frodo finishes by explaining that the Blockbuster CEO was too focused on exploiting his already successful business model, so much so that he couldn't see around the next corner. In that way, his previous success became the enemy of his adaptability potential. For the founders that Frodo works with, she frames exploration as a state of constant seeking. And I love this quote, to never fall too far in love with our wins, but rather continue to proactively seek out what might kill you next. Thanks so much for joining us on Grateful Grains. You can find us on Instagram at Good Risings, or you can find me at B McMuffin. And you can find me at Jacqueline M. Wood underscore one. See you again Monday. Until then, remember, a better tomorrow starts with today. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio.